One of the reasons I started this podcast was to be able to provide a platform and an avenue, whatever you want to call it, a medium to share stories that matter around topics that matter and to hopefully bring on guests that challenge you, encourage you, inspire you, and maybe make you think about something in a way that you hadn't previously. 2020 has been an exceptionally difficult year between pandemics and elections and everything surrounding the topic of race. And I am really excited about today's guest because he is someone who has had an impact on me. And our conversation is one that I really, really pray is one that impacts you. So sit back and listen to today's conversation. It is challenging. It's encouraging. It is heart-wrenching. It's funny. We ran the gamut, and I know that you are going to walk away feeling inspired. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Corey Paul Davis, more widely known just as Corey Paul. Corey is a Houston-based rapper, creator, and entrepreneur. Throughout his life, he has overcome several incredible adversities, including drug addiction in his family and witnessing his mother shot by his own father at the age of seven years old. Eventually, he completed high school and served his community as a firefighter, where he won the Ann Sullivan Award for Heart and Courage. He has a heart for kids who grew up in similar situations to him, and he started a nonprofit program for youth in the juvenile detention centers of Houston in hopes to provide them with mentorship and resources. They successfully graduated over 100 teens from their HOPE program and built foundational relationships with the youth of their community. Music has always been a passion of his and an outlet for his pain and thoughts. And so he actually started his first media company in 2011 and eventually became a full-time creative entrepreneur. Through music, he was able to amass more than 6 million streams, performed international shows, and built a strong social media presence. He's released three studio albums, two of which placed on the Billboard charts. As a young business owner, he quickly learned how little he knew about money management due to his lack of exposure growing up in the marginalized low-income community. And this actually started his financial literacy quest that would ultimately lead to his desire to start the Literacy Kings podcast. For over 10 years, he has worked to build his platform as a trusted voice for creatives, entrepreneurs, social justice, and faith. He still believes that this is only the beginning. He is also married to his high school sweetheart and they have one beautiful two-year-old daughter. Like I said, this is an absolutely incredible conversation. But before I get to my conversation with Corey, I want to thank a couple of our partners of the show that helped to make it possible. Now, do you need an ethical gift this season for the plant lover in your life? How about your crazy cat lady aunt? How about a coffee enthusiast or earring adoring mother-in-law? Well, this Christmas, ethical shopping couldn't be easier. 
Amaz Uma will wrap and even send a note with your gift. So head on over to shopwithmolly.com for a special discount. Now, are you one of my loyal listeners of the show? Or if you ever wanted to support some business with purpose swag, well, guess what? You can now get my exclusive do something good with purpose on purpose tea through GoX. The design is incredible, but here's the thing that I love the most is GoX believes in the power of purchase. They use a simple t-shirt to connect their customers with their apparel makers. GoX customers sustain fair wage jobs that liberate workers from poverty and empower them in their families and communities. They are proud to be a verified member of the Fair Trade Federation. You can shop your exclusive business with purpose, sustainable, eco-friendly tea, and more at goexapparel.com forward slash Molly Stillman. That's G-O-E-X apparel.com forward slash Molly Stillman. Now on to my conversation with Corey. Corey, I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be on. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of uh, your podcast and you as a content creator. Oh, thank you. Um, period. Uh, after I we connected online uh, and I got to I got a chance to explore, you know, everything that you've done and doing. And thank you. Thank yeah, you, I, Corey. I mean, seriously, I'm just such a big fan of yours as well. So the feeling is mutual. Um, and honestly, I mean, this has been kind of months in the making to get you on the show. And so I'm just I'm so honored that you would take time out of your day to be with us. So real quick, before we were recording, and I, I, I felt like we, we have to have this conversation on the show because I feel like so many people relate to this right now is because we were talking about how like 2020 just feels like we're in the middle of a movie. Like maybe it's like the book of Eli because we both like that movie with Denzel and like and as we're experiencing it as adults and also as parents and spouses, like when we're in this time, like at what point did we become adults? Like, man, man, like, will you ever say something and you're like, I sound like my insert. I sound like my mother. I sound like yes. my father. I sound like my 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 grandmother. You know what yes. I mean? Like you say it, it comes out of your mouth and you try to catch it. You know, and you go like, uh, oh no, <laughs> don't say that, don't say you it. Know? And I, I don't know when the time, but I was sharing with you, like I, I told my daughter yesterday, just I didn't even think it just came out. <laughs> no, baby, you can't have ice cream until you finish your dinner. And I was like, who said that? Who, who said that? <laughs> when did I become that guy? When? You know? Yes, I um, had the same thing where like. You know, my son, because my, my kids are seven and four, and okay. my four-year-old son is just a giant ball of energy. Um, <laughs> he is very four and very four-year-old boy. <laughs> and, like, he will get up from the kitchen table and just, like, run circles around the house being like, ah! like, for no reason. <laughs> and so, like, yesterday I was like, excuse me, sir, did you, <laughs> did you ask to be excused? And then I, like, am immediately looking at my husband and I went, oh, my God. I can't believe I just, just said, that. said that. I just I said that. And I'm like, who am I? And I'm like, you will come back to the table and you will finish your dinner or you will go into timeout. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? I think as we're doing our independent research here, I, so one thing we can attribute to is kids. Part of it is their fault. Yes. Because we it is surely they we surely wasn't full bore adult no. until we had kids. Correct. You no, know, we we had to get there, but you know, you could not do things you know yeah. like 
I, you could be hungry and just be like, I'm just going to eat this cereal until the box is gone because yeah. I don't want to go to the grocery store, you know? But then you have kids, you know, mm-hmm. you just got to get up and you got to do so. I think that's part of it. It's yeah, part of that's true. Oh, that's f- fully true. But then it's funny <laughs> how, d- like... I know that some of y'all listening who are parents will, I am sure that you do this too, okay? Because there are for sure times where like, if I'm eating a snack, but I don't want my kids to see that I'm eating a snack. So like my husband, (laughs) my husband's birthday was recently and somebody had sent him in the mail, like a package of white chocolate covered Oreos with like sprinkles Mm. on it. My husband doesn't like white chocolate and he knows I like white chocolate. So he gave them to me to have and I didn't want my kids to have them so like <laughs> I'm like hiding in the pantry away from my children <laughs> I hear you I hear you. I don't know where, where, where there was a clip online and it was a lady she like got the babysitter and uh, she got a babysitter she's like oh I'll be back and the babysitter was there and then eventually like uh, the kids spilled something she went to the garage to get a mop and the mom's like sitting in the car eating McDonald's yes. with her phone yes. in the car <laughs> And so she just rolls the window down casually, like, what's up? And the babysitter's like, what's up? And she's like, nothing. Like, <laughs> okay. And she just walks away. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> the other the thing. The only way the that other... she'd be able to enjoy those nuggets, man. Yes, yes. And then the other <laughs> thing, too, that I notice about myself, because, like, I, you know, I want to raise my kids right. I want to, like, you know, I want to raise them in the way of the Lord and like have, you know, have them consume good media and all those kinds of things. And so like, I'm really careful about like what I let my kids watch or what I let them listen to. And, you know, like the, the like most scandalous thing that they listen to music wise is like kids bop. And, um, but then like the other day I was in the car by myself, which is very rare to be in the car by myself (laughs) and like to have a moment to like, listen to what I want to listen to. And I found this old playlist mm. that I had made that was like all stuff I listened to growing up. <laughs> and right, it was right, like, right. but I, and so there I am like driving down the road in my minivan <laughs> and I'm listening to like Notorious B.I.G., SWV, like Mary J. Blige. Let's it's go. like all the music of my childhood. And I'm going like, yeah. I, this, this doesn't, something doesn't match. Like white lady in her mid thirties, in a minivan driving down the road and I'm just like and I know every word and I'm like gosh but my children can't listen to this no they're not allowed like right no 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 no, they can't you have to embrace that moment fully and anybody that sees you at a a stoplight if anybody that judges you doesn't have kids which means their opinion doesn't matter anyway Anybody with kids knows perfectly well what's going on. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Is I don't have kids in my car, so I'm gonna listen to what I want to listen to. What I want to listen to, especially because your your kids four and seven. My daughter is two. Yeah. So her what she grabs onto is so random. Yes. So you don't know what she's gonna hold on to. So you just try to you know censor it as much as possible so all of the stuff i want to listen to all of the things i want to listen to you know same exact way i have to wait until i have that moment you know where i can just full out on the on a daddy's playlist (laughs) i am so glad that i'm not alone in this okay Corey, this is oh clearly we should have an entire podcast where we just talk about stuff parents do (laughs) right 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 right. or we should start a podcast that's called when did i become an adult like (laughs) oh that's nice that's nice because it's a science to it like you have to you have to see it's a science to it because if so my mom 
she always let us uh have whatever we asked her for for it's like eating and stuff mm. you know like if she had something and he said can i have a bite can i have something she always said yeah right so as i got older i didn't know it but that was like an important thing because i had this internal thing of like my mom she would always give she's a giving woman right mm. and so i'm like i want to be like that but in order to be like that you can only show them what they are supposed to see they yeah. can't see these Oreos because yeah. I don't want to tell them no to these Oreos. So for their sake, you got to eat in the pantry. It's for them. I'm doing it's, this for y'all, see, not for me. Okay. <laughs> see, that'll preach. That'll preach, it's Corey. A science. <laughs> it's a science. science. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, yeah. Okay, Corey. So clearly we... Oh, I, yeah, we you, probably should get started. We right? probably should. So, uh, <laughs> Corey, you are so awesome. Okay, so Corey, I want you to give us the Corey 101. So just tell us who yeah. you are, a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today okay so i'm gonna give you the shotgun who who i am kind of where i got to today and then you can unpack this as much as as you want to so i was born in houston texas i'm from houston texas a neighborhood called south park low income uh 30 percent uh high school dropouts mm-hmm. um it's the hood it's on mm-hmm. no mlk in houston it's a lower lower income underserved neighborhood so that's where i'm from my saving grace when i was younger was my mother's amazing my mother is fire she's a superhero mm-hmm. um and that's what kept us together we had a very typical you know childhood when i was very very young but um my father he actually in the 80s got introduced to crack cocaine mm-hmm. and so he became an addict and, and became a drug addict in like the 80s and then that just over time became worse and worse and worse so as i you know became a little older you know i'm still a child you know six seven start seeing our house change you know mm-hmm. uh, and he tried to go to rehab and he relapsed and it was all of this but you start seeing you know the the uh verbal abuse and then the physical abuse you know and the mental abuse you start to see that rise and rise and rise mm-hmm. yeah. um and so it, it built a very turbulent childhood and so what happened i just kind of lay this all out in the beginning so we can talk you know throughout it i know it's a lot up front but this was my childhood um, so what happened is my, my father, unfortunately, could not overcome the the demon, you know, of, of the drug he was addicted to. Yeah. And he actually died when I was like nine. Mm. Um, he uh, actually committed suicide um, mm. when I was nine years old. So from this point, this was uh, my mom had a lot of figuring out to do. Single mother, <laughs> low income two kids uh and you know she has to figure it out and so that led that was a long stretch where I was trying to find my way so fast forward I came absorbed with like street culture I started rapping when I was like 12 I went to be a rapper in Houston Houston is notorious for like sir mixing the 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 codeine with with soda and stuff Mm -hmm. like that or whatever so we wanted to do that we wanted to party we wanted girls so that was my whole teenage year years was chasing that and taking those those chances you know um with my life yeah and um and then like in every good movie i met a girl uh (laughs) when i was about 17 about 16 16 17 i met a girl and around the same time i met a met that girl who was a believer she was a christian and my friend my one of our best friends he got saved and he started telling me about going to church and i I was what are you talking about we don't i don't (laughs) go to church like you know i'm from houston i'm Mm -hmm. from i'm from texas so 
everybody believe in God. It's the Bible belt. You're yeah. just born believing in God. You know, you don't have no relationship, but you'll, t- you know, that's just yep. culture. So yeah, I know God, I don't need to go to church. Well, long story short, uh, the Lord used them to start working on me. And when I was 17, I got saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from the time of me becoming saved at 17, still trying to figure it out. Not perfect, perfectly forgiven, but not perfect. Trying to figure it out. I end up switching my regular rap to rapping where I contextualize the gospel mm-hmm. with hip hop. Um, and God graced that and allowed me to really excel. Um, put out two billboard albums. We toured, met amazing people, um, traveled and all of this great stuff. And that really set the fire for my ministries, uh, for my my music, uh, for my podcast and everything kind of that was the seed for it. And God just kind of maneuvered me as I went along. Yeah. 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 I mean, you just have such an incredible story and, and just yours is such a powerful story of the transformation of the gospel. Uh, and I didn't grow up a Christian either. And, mm. you know, my life looks real different now than it did when I wasn't a Christian, um, as I know yours does too, you know, and, uh, you also, something I know about you, you were also a firefighter in Houston, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. just incredible. I mean, do you just, you, I read something where you shared that you just, you'd wanted to be a firefighter at one point, um, just cause mm-hmm. you wanted to use that as a way to serve your community. What was mm-hmm. the timeline where you became a firefighter and how long were you a firefighter in Houston? And how did that yeah. kind of play into everything you were doing and, 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 you know, becoming a Christian rapper and touring and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So man, that was very, that was God's very serendipitous. Like, like God was just in the midst of it. I didn't even know it, you know, but he was. So I remember, um, I remember when I was young, I remember young and, you know, classic kids seeing the firefighters, you yep. know, and yep. um, that's cool, you know, but then um, I remember when I was in high school, I met this firefighter and he was saying how, you know, he loved his job. And when he told me that at 16, um, it was interesting because everybody I knew hated their job. You know, most (laughs) people hated going to work. You know what I mean? And so from there on, and my mom would always say, you know, don't do nothing you hate. Don't do anything you hate. If you hate it, just don't even just leave it, you know, because you'll get trapped there. She was real big proponent on like following your heart. So I said, you know what? Every time I see a firefighter, I'm going to ask them if they like their job. And I would ask firefighter after firefighter after firefighter. And they all said, oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah, I love it. And so I was like, oh, man, okay, well, that's cool. Right. Then the other thing was I saw that they was they were actually like it was a firefighter station. fifty. It was a fire station, station 55, right up the street from um, our house. And they would come through the community. And so mm. firefighters in Houston, they the firefighters are on the ambulance and they're on the fire truck. Yeah. So, yeah. So whether they would come for a house fire or welfare check, checking smoke detectors, smoke alarms, uh, you know, doing tours at the station, it, they were just very community oriented, you yeah. know, and I always admired them because in our neighborhood, searching for those rays of light, right? It was tough. You know, you come from a lot of poverty, a lot of violence, dope, stuff like that. So seeing those little rays of light always stuck out to me. Right. But then, you know, rap was way more important, you know. So that's what I was doing. I was rapping. Molly was going to rap. We was going to get a hit single. We was throwing money out the roof. That was the plan. That's what we was going to do. Right. But as time progressed and the girl I met, I wanted to turn her from my girlfriend to my wife. I knew I had to take care of her somehow, you know, <laughs> like I couldn't be like broke and married, you know what I mean? So, so anyway, I was like, well, you know what? 
the fire department. Like I've always wanted to do it. My music is going well, but yeah. I want to, I want to marry this girl though. You know, yeah. I have to do that. That's, you know, so I went out for the fire department and it took me like three different times, but I finally got on wow. um, at the, I finally got on at the department. And at this time, my music was kind of like, it was cool, but you know, uh, it wasn't, you know, fully running off yet. And it was like a year after me getting into the department. Um, and this, by this time I was in my early twenties that my music started to take off. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is why I say it's all God, because at the fire department in Houston, the schedule was amazing. So you work like two days and you're off like five days. Mm. So it allows you for this crazy amount of fluctuation to do other things that you want to yeah. do. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to serve and there at the Academy, you know, I actually got grace. I won an award for like the heart and courage oh, wow. you know, award doing, doing the fire, you know, doing the fire, um, fire Academy. And so, um, and so I was able to, to, to take that into yeah. my, my career. And God graced me to meet some amazing people, experience amazing things. Um, I, I literally arrived, we arrived to a scene one time and a person was lifeless on mm. the floor and we were able to bring them back to life oh, wow. right? You, using CPR. So it just really, as a believer, shows you how powerful that we are in him. You know, you death to life is a real thing. He can only do it spiritually, but he enables us here on earth to work through him yeah. um, in order to like really cause true change, yeah. you know? So um, I was a firefighter for just about four years and um, it was amazing. It was a combination of uh, my music starting to excel yeah. and, and trying to have to pick one. And then the kind of the 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 push to to finally resign from the department was my wife got into medical school oh, wow. um, in another state. So yeah, there you have it. Yeah, there, there, yeah, you <laughs> know, you just there you go. There you, you know, go. That was the push. There you go. Yeah. Wow, that was, that was my firefighter um, story and career, and it, it was an amazing experience. I love that. So. You know, when you started rapping and you were really into, you know, the Houston kind of street culture music, mm -hmm. music scene, it was actually called the chopped and screwed music scene. Yeah. You were really yeah. into that. And you kind of transitioned once you became a believer to mm -hmm. Christian rap. I'm mm -hmm. curious, like, what did the people who knew you, you know, BC before Christ, mm -hmm. what did they think of? the the change that they saw in you what did they think when they saw you'd make that transition how did was were they receptive to it were they yeah. maybe like did they not like it did they make fun of you you know like i'm just yeah. always kind of curious as to how those people that knew you before reacted right right yeah so that, that no that's a great question um so you had you had a, a little bit of both or you know what i would say you had a lot that were encouraged by it you know a lot that were you know go yeah that's right do that you know and then you had a few people that were like cut it out mm -hmm. you know like I know who you were like cut it out you know and so um you had you know those two areas the see the thing with me when I dedicated my life to Christ the reason why I was because I was always in search for something that could like help my people, save mm -hmm. my people, you know? Um, and it's a line from a, a rap song called a uh, big picture where um, the rapper says um, this been going on too long to get even. And he's just talking about like 
the you know systematic oppression and things like that mm-hmm. so you know that's the thing that's the tough you re- you realize how much is going on and you like yo how, where do you even start you know to try mm-hmm. to help or fix so that's what it was when the pastor was explaining to me that like that Jesus had already came and he had already fixed it mm-hmm. and that it was about connecting with him right like worshiping the creator and not the created Mm. like that lingo was like super intriguing to me you know and and so when I became a Christian God's grace not because I'm just that guy but when I became a Christian I was more like yo I'm finna go get the move for us you know what I'm saying like I'm I'm gonna be the plug so it was never about my partners that were still smoking my partners that were still drinking my partners that was Feel like in the street it was never about me like saying like I'm a Christian now y'all need to straighten up I was trying to go get the the move I was trying to get what we could utilize and bring back and share you know mm. what I'm saying yeah. so it was more of like um because I never forget when I was um walked into church one time and a guy told me to take my earrings off and I just was like I don't want to be here you know like yeah you know what I mean like soon as you walk into a place and you I'm like I don't want so I was like I'm never doing that you know mm, like yeah all of it right so anyway so that's what it was it was the few people that was like are you tripping but then more people like yeah like that's what's up go, go and get it and um the biggest thing was my mom you know what I'm saying like my mom wasn't saved we didn't grow up in the church or nothing like that so she was just kind of like oh that's what's up but then me and my partner would come to the house and have bible study and stuff like that and so she would just kind of peek in peek in peek in until finally she was like when y'all having the next one I'm gonna sit there you know what I mean and then like two years not even two years probably a year and a half after that she got saved wow yeah so it's 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 powerful it was definitely more champion you know, and maybe part of that is because of who you put yourself around. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you have to cut off the ones that don't get it, you know, kind of yeah. like Superman. You go change clothes so you can come back. You yeah. know, uh, sometimes that's the case. Yeah, that's a tough that's a tough balance to strike for any I think any believer, because there is this balance that we have to find where like we have to surround ourselves with fellow believers who are strong in the faith and like finding those those mentors in the faith that are kind of, you know, a few steps ahead of you. And I think about like Paul and Timothy and their relationship and Mm -hmm. Paul continuing to speak into Timothy's life. And, um, you know, and then in Proverbs, it says like, as you know, like iron sharpens iron, like you Mm -hmm. need those people in your life that sharpen each other. And then also we have to strike this balance of being like Jesus, where we're not afraid to go around people who are non-believers or we're not afraid like we're not gonna go up to somebody and like Jesus would never have walked up to somebody and said hey you need to take off your earrings before you're around me like there's biblical proof of it yes like (laughs) literally biblical proof and like if we look at the people that Jesus himself hung around like Mm -hmm. and it's funny because I love reading through the gospels and just people who say the bible is boring I'm like I don't know what bible you're reading because it is not boring at all I mean when you see the way that some of the disciples reacted to the people that Jesus was talking to and the disciples were like do you you know what this person has done and Jesus is like look (laughs) okay like (laughs) you're gonna need to you're gonna need to straighten up um there's a uh so I am a huge fan of the show The Chosen if you have not seen it 
It is so good. Uh, yeah, for my podcast listeners, you can go back and listen to episode like, uh, I don't know. It was like 2.0 something with Neil Harmon, who is the CEO of VidAngel. And VidAngel is like the streaming network that produces The Chosen. Um, nice. But The Chosen is a show that is like based on... Jesus. And it's like about the disciples getting called. And they, um, it starts off with um, kind of like you see like the evolution of Peter um, becoming or Simon becoming a disciple and Andrew and James and John and all that kind of stuff. And people always hear like, oh, another show about Jesus. Like, is that going to be real lame? It is not lame. I promise. It's <laughs> yeah, so good. Yeah. And everybody that I talk to, I'm like, please just watch it and give it a chance. Right. But there's a scene, spoiler alert, if you've read the Bible, there's a scene <laughs> Um, towards the end where when Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, to become a disciple mm. and Simon, Peter and Andrew and James and John are all standing there and they're just like, Jesus, what, like, what, what are you doing? Like, this guy can't be this guy can't can't be with us like he can't be a disciple and right. like um and, and Jesus and like just to see it acted out because it's exactly how it happens in scripture and just the way how you know Simon's like looking at Jesus like do you do you know who this guy is like he's a tax collector like he's stealing from our people like he is a criminal and a sinner and uh Jesus kind of looks at Simon and just is kind of like well like I called you and he mm. and but then Peter says but th but this is different this is different. Mm. And Jesus looks in Peter's eyes and goes, get used to different. And it wow. is just like the bet. Like I get chills wow. every time I watch it. And so, it. you know, it, that, that's it. That's, that's it. it. Get used to that's different it. is like the beautiful. encompassing, like all encompassing story of what it means to follow, follow Jesus. But you're right. Like it that's really it. does take this balance of like surrounding ourselves with people who are sharpening us and 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 helping us along the way while also like being not afraid to go out there and and be in the middle of the mess exactly exactly and, you know and i think that that actually leads to kind of another thing i really wanted to talk about and i think this is kind of a perfect example and this is um your relationship and friendship with george floyd mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um that and and perfect set i don't think you could have got a perfect set <laughs> i mean that. we did not plan this through it yeah like that's it's yes. the perfect setup because mm -hmm. um, that was one of the ways that you and I connected um, after the the murder of George Floyd. And mm -hmm. and so you were friends with George Floyd. And I remember after the news of the murder of George Floyd came out, one of the first things that you did was create this video where you were like, I know I, we've seen this story. Mm -hmm. We've seen mm -hmm. this story where we know what happened. We've seen the video. We have mm -hmm. the evidence, but they're going to change the narrative mm -hmm. and they're going to go into his background and they're going to talk about mm -hmm. who he was and all the mistakes he made. And, all, and you're like, no, don't do it. We're not going to do it because mm -hmm. I know this man mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he was a man of peace. He was a person right. of peace. Yes, he made mistakes in his past, as mm -hmm. we all have, mm -hmm. as we all have. Um, mm -hmm. And so I want you to just kind of share how you knew George and and kind of like like I said it's the perfect tie-in to what we were doing how you guys did this together where you really were the hands and feet of Jesus and went into into these communities and and served and so would you share a little bit about that I would love to so this is how how I, this is how I try to unpack it so we have to understand as people that we have our own unique experiences you are familiar with your experience but 
if it's an experience or a reality or an environment you're not familiar with, you haven't lived it, breathed it, walked it. The first thing that you have to do is be open to receive, right? Mm. Like to be to understand before being understood. Right. So I feel like that sets the foundation for the story. OK, when we're talking about neighborhoods that like I'm from and neighborhoods like like um, Big Floyd is from, these are low income, systematically oppressed, underserved neighborhoods. Right. It's the bottom. It's the hood. OK, it's a certain way that you learn to receive people and information when you grow up like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Okay, now I'm from South Park. Big Floyd is from Third Ward. It's another hood in Houston. It's just like mine, it's just in a different area. So once I got saved, you know, I told you my whole play was like to bring it to the people, you yeah. know? So um, so my church was in Third Ward, right? And so we wanted to go and connect with the people. We wanted to get out there with the people. But you can't just go into another hood and just pull up and start doing stuff. Mm. It don't work like that. Yeah. We don't know you. We don't trust you. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to build some kind of relationship because they've been taken advantage of so much. We've been mm. taken advantage of so much. Right. So, yeah. you know, just imagine somebody coming in your house and just doing stuff. You're yeah. like, bro, I live here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like this is, you know, so when, when you come into a neighborhood, you know, when you come into a neighborhood, especially a hood in Houston, you have to find a person of peace. You have to find somebody that is respected, that is loved, that is from there, um, and that have similar plans and beliefs uh, and ideas as you, right? Yeah. It's real hard to make a move without that person. Yeah. Okay. So when we came to Third Ward, Big Floyd was that person. Mm. We- we put on a concert. We put on a concert in Third War and we went out and invited everybody. You know, we concert, the kids could come out, free food, you know, um, school supplies. You know, we, we just trying to give. And Big Floyd saw it. It was right next to his projects. So he came to the concert, you know, and he came with another one, another guy who ended up being one of our partners, too. And so we connected at the concert, you know, and he was like, OK, man, that's he was like basically saying, like, that's what's up that y'all not just pulling up and standing y'all little pocket but that y'all created something y'all trying to give back that's what's up right so later on when we was out shooting visuals in the neighborhood trying to connect with people my partner had a tech shop in third ward so we were like doing bible study there free pizza all of that um we met big floyd and that's where we got a chance to connect he was like man i'm from here you know i'm saying i'm from here through and through you know and it's a lot of good stuff here. It's a lot of good people here, you know, um, and I love what y'all are doing. Yeah. He said, if it's about God business, it's about my business. You know what I'm saying? So you good, you know, yeah. you good. If you, whatever you need, you know what I'm saying? You let them know Big Floyd said you good and I got y'all. I'm gonna let the homies know, right? Yeah. So when Floyd, think about it like you like this, Molly. Think about like you have your brand and you hustling. You doing your thing, right? You trying to get it popping. But then when you get an endorsement deal, you know what I'm yeah. saying, with the top, like if you got a beauty brand and you get a Revlon endorsement, deal, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you own now. Yeah. That's what Floyd did for the work we were trying to do in the community. Because wow. we were trying, we were just like, hey, we here, we trying to start, you know. But once Floyd stamped us, like my partner Najula and say, we got that endorsement deal. And he told them, hey, they good. They were just, hey, well, whatever. And then from that point, Floyd was, okay, what y'all doing? Uh, we was trying. We was gonna do a, a basketball tournament for the kids. All right, I sign up a team. 
you know, okay, wow. what y'all want to do? We want to do church. Uh, we call it church in the bricks yep. where it's the, uh, you know, outside basketball court. Uh, hey, Floyd, we want to block off <laughs> the whole basketball court and do church. You good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got these baptism pools. We wanted to, okay, we'll set that up. Like helping us run plays. Yeah. Floyd literally would drag the big, big floor. He literally dragged the big uh baptism tub outside. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Help us fill it up. And we end up baptizing one of our partners in that same tub. Wow. You know? So here's the thing. The reason why when that happened with Floyd and I came out with the video is because when you're not from where we're from or you don't have a heart or you haven't leaned in to listen and understand it if you're not from it you haven't leaned in to understand it first what you don't understand is all that stuff they talking about about floyd past and all the things they say he did and all the things they said he was a part of because floyd had found the lord and had did a and was was doing a 180 and trying trying to be a better person with that did that past that they try to demonize it gives floyd a voice mm -hmm. the young boy is gonna listen to him because he got stripes he got scars he been there he know what the, he know what, what, what he's talking about so all of the misguided youth or the juveniles that need a, a, a they need help or they need you know advice or that, that we want to save yeah floyd is the floyd's in the hood that's the secret yeah. that's the secret to that employing and, and encouraging and helping with resources to the Floyds in the hood. That's how you actually do that. The misnomer of like, we're going to ascend, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like strangers are going to ascend and help. We don't want to hear what you got to say. Right. You know what I'm saying? Until you come in. Right. And we can form that kind of bond and you're going to only be able to do that through a Floyd, yeah. you know? So that's why Soon as it happened, I just knew it's a stale old playbook. Yep. This the same plays they've been all you have to do is read a book or read documents from speeches, you know, and I it's the same plays that they've been running forever. So I knew what they were gonna do and they tried. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I just felt it was so important because it's like you never heard of this man before in your life. You don't understand the years that he uh, that he's put in, you know, um trying to help and we legit uh homies that was on the block baptized wow. you know what i'm saying changing up you know how they move you know um you know floyd was advocating against gun violence boys that came off the streets went on tour with us put some dope down like he real live working you know and so I, we just felt it was necessary for people to understand that you know it was more than just whatever you can google about him you would never truly be able to understand it until you yeah. first lean in and listen to the voices that he served with and 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 served you know oh absolutely and thank you so much for sharing that about him yeah. and his life and um you know i just i think you know and i know i mean obviously i i know you know this because this is your lived experience and like you know black people when when a black man or a black woman is murdered like they know it's the same like you said it's the same, same. playbook it's like they're gonna same dig thing. up anything they can in their past to somehow justify this like moment in time and mm -hmm. um so for you to be able to just share that um i really i appreciate that and i honor that and sure. um yeah, thank you and, and and the way that that george floyd's life like how he is he started a revolution i hate the way that it happened mm -hmm. i it shouldn't have happened mm -hmm. it just shouldn't have happened but in so many ways like 
and I don't know, and you can tell me, you can be like, Mm-mm, white lady, you're wrong. Don't, you know, <laughs> like, I disagree. But there's something about the murder of George Floyd that feels different. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. It, the conversations that are happening in our churches and in our homes and in our families and in our communities feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. fee- and and they are heated, and there are disagreements, and um, but I I feel like there there's a different type of shift that mm-hmm. we are seeing, and I kind of liken it to like I go I, I work out a lot, and mm-hmm. I could do the same workout every day, and it could be real easy, and I could not push myself, and I would see no changes in my body. But instead, like I do a different workout every day and I try to do one more rep and I try to do heavier weight or I try to, you know, go a little bit longer Mm. and I push my body to a point of being uncomfortable. Yeah. And when I'm uncomfortable, that's when change in my body starts to happen. I'm, I'm one good. of my, so I go to uh, something called burn boot camp, and one of our trainers there, like she, she used to always say, she's like, if you're not a little mad during the workout, then it's mm-hmm. not good enough. Like you, you want to like be a little bit mad during the workout because yeah, yeah, yeah. then you're like, I oh, this is, I, I hate agree. this. But then I afterwards, agree. like you feel like, oh man, that that was. But like I realize it maybe is a silly analogy, but like that's no, what I feel not- like we are going through is it's going to be uncomfortable and we're going to have uncomfortable conversations and it is going to, we're going to get a little mad Mm -hmm. and we're going to not feel great about it and we're going to mess up and Mm -hmm. we're going to say things we shouldn't. We're going to do things the wrong way, but that is how long lasting change happens. So feel free to disagree with me. I would love to be like, lady, you're wrong. (laughs) You know, no, 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 I don't. I, I genuinely don't. If I did, I would, but I don't. I agree with you. I I think why anyone could could or would or does disagree with that this is different because obviously that's a hot topic. Like yeah. this feels different. No, it's the same old thing, right? Like that's kind of the two yeah. sides. I think that it all comes down to what do we do with this? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like any anything, right? Like uh, we talk about you talk about you know working out is that you know you going that that extra distance for like being uncomfortable yeah right and then even as you're working out understanding yourself and understanding what's going on so i feel like this is a moment that we have that can um spark continual change yeah i do feel that yeah. but it's not magic no moment no. will be, be magic for sure i think people they, they, you know, when you disagree with like, oh, it's the same thing. I think you have this concept, like you think Dr. King marched one time and then yeah. there we go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't happen. Like, no, it's no, I get it. So it's no shade, but like the chant, we want justice. We want it now. I get it. I get the chant. I'm not bothering nobody, but it's not practical. Right. Right. Like we wanted justice. We want it over time, continuously. It's more accurate. It's not a good chant, but it's more accurate. You mm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that's the thing because, you know, with George Floyd, with Big Floyd sparked, it's on us now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And what, what, are, what are we going to do and continue to do with where um, that has started to take things? You know, so, yeah. no, I, I don't I don't disagree. I feel like we have to be more optimistic because, you know, as a black man, 
I know that we're nowhere near perfect and we mm-hmm. got a long way to yeah. go. But I also know that I have more opportunity than my grandfather did. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And that came from slow, progressive, you know, change over time. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me. Like I have a couple really good friends who are in interracial marriages and like every year on mm. Loving Day, they just think about the fact they're like in like my parents lifetime. Ain't that crazy? We would not have been able to get married. Like that was only 50 years ago. Like that's not that long. That's not that long ago. That's a whole episode. That's a whole podcast series right there. It's just what, what you're saying. The things that we're talking about is not, is not that long ago, no. right? My mom was born in 60. That We were still, black people were still fighting for the right to vote when yeah. my mother was born. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah like absolutely. when you look at the pr- the progressive change, and again, like we fully, fully admit like that we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, to see the change, I mean, and I even think about the fact that like I was like it had been 15 years, only 15 years, like when I was born, that interracial couples could get married. 15 years. Like, that's that's not that long. That's not that long. We're in the year 2020. That was 2005. Like, that is not that long ago. And so, yeah, so not only looking at that, I mean, like my husband's parents, my parents, like they grew up in segregated schools. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. my That's dad was in generation. My dad was in college when desegregation happened. Wow. Like that is yeah. mind blowing to mm-hmm. me. My dad. And I think that if you just if you just stop the if you anyone who doesn't understand how far we have to go, yeah. you just take that right there. It doesn't have to be this big grand right. debate. It could just be it doesn't have to be about race. Let's just be about time. Right. <laughs> just take it about right. let's just use time, you know, and if you say this group of people have only been able to do it for X amount of time, this group of people have been doing right. it for this long. What group do you think has a larger event? You know what I mean? You right. can take race out and just make a math equation. And it's not that it is. And I, I think with that, it's so we can see the issue so we can be a part of a solution. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Like, it's not about like. You did this. You did that. It's their fault. It's their fault. That does nothing. You know, it's just recognizing the magnitude of something in order to better equip ourselves for a, a lasting solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, and, and it definitely it differs depending on if you are coming at it from a biblical worldview versus a versus like a secular worldview. And let me also yeah. be the first to say that like Christians screw this up all the time like uh, the christians yeah. have been some of the worst offenders of this and we talk all the mm-hmm. time about how sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week right um right. and so christians by far like screw this up a lot right but yeah. sometimes like I, I i sometimes like when i have conversations with some christians who like try to disagree about you know the racial justice movement and i just mm-hmm. I, I go like what bible are you reading like this isn't new. Like there have been racism, like racism has been like since the beginning of since Genesis, like we can go all the way back to Genesis and see racism like right in the New Testament, like mm-hmm. <laughs> Nero was mm-hmm. crucifying Christians, like lining the streets with mm-hmm. with people on crosses and burning them like mm-hmm. he was. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Because they were different. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, uh, sorry. I, I mean, I just no. sometimes no. I just am like, guys, what? 
what are you looking at what, what are, are you reading at? what how do how are you seeing this yes. i think that it, i think it has everything to do with being self-centered mm-hmm. i think anytime mm-hmm. you're self-centered you just you miss it all yep you miss it all so you can read the bible self-centered you yep. know what i'm saying you can read a bible where they're saying like you know you can read uh oh you should you know you can read the bible where it says forgive your enemies yeah right and you'll automatically be like i should forgive my enemies well maybe you're an enemy right maybe you you're the enemy that someone else needs to forgive yeah you know so it's all about perception and i think whenever you become self-centered that's how you miss all of that i was we were watching the show me and my wife was watching a show called amazing race um and it's uh they race across the country yeah. you know these people trying to race for money but anyway this couple were in uh this you know poverty stricken neighborhood in africa and the lady she was just so mad that she had to deal with this poverty like she was just disgusted that she had to deal with this poverty and the smells and but you know it's it is it's funny if it was if it wasn't so sad it's, that uh, you're that self-centered that you're angry by having to deal with the poverty that they were born and living. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Yes. So I think whenever you look at self first and then out, you're gonna miss a lot. Yes. I mean and and the Bible like literally has an answer for just about everything. And yeah. I mean, in the in the first chapter of James, like there's a the a verse about how if someone is a um, a forgetful hearer of the word, mm. they if and and not a doer of the word, mm. they're like a person who looks in the mirror, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. like he looks in the mirror, and it's just like he he is all about self it's all about me 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 and how Mm. can I look at how can this fit my life and how is Mm -hmm. this uh, you know everything the world revolves around me Mm -hmm. and they're not a faithful hearer of the word and a doer who works and somebody who really takes to heart the word of God I mean and we can look all the way then into revelation where it says like at the end of the age like Every nation, every tribe, every tongue will all be together worshiping God. And like, he's not talking about, I'm sorry, I'm maybe I'm ruffle some feathers. He ain't talking about middle-class white people. Like, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's not, he, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, heaven is going to be this beautiful picture of God's creation and his created order. And, right. and that is just if we aren't fighting for our brothers and sisters for who look different than us for the right. least of these for right. um for people who just who need to hear the good news that like right. Jesus didn't come for one type of person right 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 and i think that is i think it's perfect like your mindset with it is perfect and you're a great person to talk to about it because so we talked about, I have a real, real, real good friend uh, of mine, a brother by the name of Trey Nine in Houston. Uh, and uh, he's a white guy. Uh, and, and his ministry is smack dab in the middle of the hood. You know, that's where he does his ministry. And we were talking on the phone about, you know, game planning and stuff. And we were talking about the understanding of, or the difference between being racist and, or the difference between being not racist and being anti-racist. Yep. You know, like that's a, conversation you know and understanding the platform you know and and the opportunity that 
that you have. So when we when you talk about it from the perspective of a white person, right? It's not that, well, you should do this or you should do that or you have to do this or you must do that. Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity, you have the space, you have the platform um, to reach and to talk to and to connect with privately with people I just don't have, mm. right? It's people that are going to receive things from you, you in a way um, that they may not receive them um, from me, you know? So it's understanding that the it should be like a beautiful burden, mm. right? Um, because in the reverse, I got a lot of young homies that come up and think a lot of the same, man, you know, F12, you know, F the police or, you know, you know, forget white people. They did this and da, 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 da. It's my responsibility. I feel, you know, it's my beautiful burden because I look like them and I'm from where they from to aid in um, building a bridge and yeah. bringing information and encouraging them in a progressive united way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think it has to be, you know, more on that understanding. Like you can't look at like like we, we do it on all levels. Right. Like, yeah, that's why it's, you know the uh animal shelters it's because hey they can't you know they need help you know what i'm saying like they need help so anytime we see someone that needs help in any set right you can take it from that to oh these babies don't have anywhere to go we need shelters you know what mm -hmm. i mean we need adoption agencies oh these women are having problems with domestic abuse we need something for that yep. anytime as humans from the micro level to the macro level that it's a problem or a void or a need that should be filled, we should want to say, especially if you're a believer, how yes. can we help? Yes. How can we serve? You know, so I believe that it, it you know, it doesn't have to be a, it, it can't be a you versus me or yep. us, it cannot be, it will never work that way, yep. you know, but it, it has to be a, a, a united front, you yeah. know, for that progression. So yeah, I, I think your mindset is perfect when you yeah. talk about that. Yeah. And, and the, the importance of like linking arms and, mm -hmm. and saying to one another saying, you know what, like, I don't know what I don't know, or mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I'm going to mess up. And instead of like being accusatory towards each other mm -hmm. or attacking each other, or like just being divisive and like, well, if you screw up, like that's it, you're canceled, like cancel mm -hmm, culture. Mm -hmm. Like oh, man. if we, yeah. if we, like, if we can't humble ourselves and have a conversation where we link arms and we say, you know what, we're going to hike this mountain together. Um, right. I'm probably going to stumble and scrape my knee um, mm -hmm. and I'm going to need you to pick me up mm -hmm. and I might need you to put on a bandaid. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. but we're going to stick it out together. And we're going to we're in this together. And that is such a rare. It's a rare thing to find today It is um, because people really are is. so angry mm -hmm. and they and, mm -hmm. and with good like reason. People mm -hmm. have rights to be angry. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I mean, James is like a packed book of the Bible. But like mm -hmm. it literally says, like, everyone should be slow to speak quick yeah. to listen and slow yeah. to anger because human anger yeah. does not accomplish God's righteousness. And so like Amen. our yeah. anger 
is not going to accomplish anything. Yes, we can feel angry. God doesn't, uh, God had righteous anger. Jesus himself had righteous anger. So like, yes, we feel these emotions and we are allowed to feel these emotions and we should never dismiss emotions or or gaslight or -hmm. dismiss someone's lived experience. However, we have to take those emotions and then we work through them and then we work through them together and we move forward together. And we, exactly. you know what I mean? Exactly. Spot on, spot on. I believe it's the only way that we can do it. It's the, it's the only way that we can do it and to continue to build a better place for us, you know, for us as people, not just black or white or Hispanic, but for us as people, it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Oh man. Yeah. You know, and I just, um, I, I think that conversations like this are so important and being willing to, again, just to humble ourselves. And so, you know, and, and this is the, this is this conversation that sometimes I, I see people say where they're, where I'll see white people be like, well, I don't want to have to apologize for being white. And I'm just like, <laughs> nobody is, nobody is making you feel guilty for being born white. Like, right. the, like, right. ugh, like y'all, it, it, I, just, <laughs> I think, and you know, and I don't know how other people feel about this, but I, this is how I see it. I see it as like, I'm a man and you're a woman, right? It is very clear that I, as a male, speaking from as a male perspective, yeah. have had more advantages in America than you, mm-hmm. right? Like that's well documented. Mm-hmm. I think it was, was it the, the 60s or 70s that women could get bank accounts with without their husband having mm-hmm. a sign or something like that? Like it yep. wasn't that long ago as no. we talked about before. It wasn't wasn't that long ago, right? So as just a reasonable person, now you talk, now you up at the level and say, as a Christian, I hear this large group of women going, hey, we're not getting treated equally. We're not getting treated fair. We're being slighted. It's not about me apologizing as a man, mm. but if I am a male, right, and I don't have the, the problem that you have, my question is like, oh, well, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. What can, what needs to be done? What should I be listening for? What, what, how can I serve? You know, mm. this cause because I don't go through those things. Mm. My, I hear my wife or my my uh, homegirls talk about things they experience, and I'm like, that happens. Yeah, people do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. We, I've never experienced that before. I didn't know there was a thing because I'm not, a, I don't walk around as a female. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's how I see it when it comes to black and white. It's not about, you know, apologizing or having to feel sorry for, but it's just recognizing a clear, very clear advantage and disadvantage and then leaning in and going, do I have something I can offer mm. to this situation? You know what I'm saying? It yeah. could just be, I have a very, one of my homegirls I met in the fire department, she's white and she's from a, like a suburb of Houston. So she didn't really have a lot of interactions or relationship with um, a lot of black people. So I, I, me and her relationship were probably the first authentic one that she had. Yeah. And so she would just be like, can I ask you something? And anytime she said that, I knew she's going <laughs> to ask something that you can't just ask any black person, yeah. you know, like, if yeah. you don't, you know, and every black person's different. I personally am an open book. You know what I mean? Like if you genuinely are trying to get better, I genuinely have all the answers. Yeah. Right. So she asked me, cause we were riding in the ambulance and she asked me, 
she said this station you listen to it says like it's like a black radio station and it's like black radio black owned black college she's like why is it okay for it to be black 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 but if it was like white 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 it would be deemed racist as pure and as genuine as, as she could ask ask that question as the questions that she asked and so my response was, well, in America, everything is inherently white. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's that's everything was founded as white radio, right. colleges, everything is automatically white. You don't have to make something white, but things were not inherently black. Over time, we had to fight and carve away. And so we started so far behind that now it's a curated um, experience that they're trying to have, yep. it, that they're trying to develop, that they're trying to build, you know, and focus. And you could, and she was just like mind blown, yeah. you know, like oh, it is because it's not about blaming. That's not her experience. Her, she doesn't have these deep conversations. She's lived the life she's lived, you know. But just in that little conversation, it was just a little light bulb that went off, you know. Not every conversation won't be like this. Yeah, and people can say you should know this or you should know that. But the point is that it wasn't me saying the white radio is the devil and da da da, da. it's not it's just it's just facts you yeah, know what i'm saying like yeah. this is just our history yeah. you know we don't have to debate about it you know yep. but we can be participants of a different present and future yeah you know? yeah and you bring up a really good point that i i want to kind of highlight is how you talked about how like you're somebody who if you're coming from a gen like a genuine I want to learn and do better. Like you're an open book, but I think it is important because not every, like not don't mm-mm. go call in anybody. Your black hey, friend, not like, that. like cause <laughs> your black friend is not the encyclopedia, like on exactly. black culture, like Google is your friend. There you go. <laughs> Google mm-hmm. is your friend. Um, mm-hmm. And then also knowing the type of relationship that you have with somebody, like right. don't just text your random black friend and be like, right. can I ask you a question? Like, don't do that. Don't do that. Do that. And I give you a cheat code. Now I give you a cheat code. And I'll tell you this. I'll say this. You can say Corey Paul said this. They can <laughs> hit me up on, they can DM me about it. <laughs> if you go and seek understanding on your own, if you go read a book about mm-hmm. Black history, black culture. Go watch many uh, uh, black African Americans, many rivers on PBS. Or if you go and seek your own knowledge, and then you are kindly and considerately trying to engage one of your black friends, and they have a problem, they're the problem, mm. right? Like, so don't be scared because that's the other side of it. Yeah. That you that don't be scared. You know, just because somebody's black doesn't mean that they are like it's not perfection. You know, because <laughs> on both sides. We got work to do. Yeah. And I do. I got some black homies that they don't want. They feel like they ain't got to talk about nothing. And we get into debates. I'm like, yes, bro. If somebody is trying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you should come alongside of them. Mm-hmm. Now, that's my opinion. That's my personal opinion. But I feel like, you know, if I'm trying to understand something about women's rights and I did my due diligence and I call Molly, I feel like I'm trying here. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, because she's someone who spoke about it and she has a platform about it. And I would think that that's a safe space. So I think that's the other side. Yes. Do not just randomly be texting. <laughs> but if you go do your own research, you go do your own due diligence, bro. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to come alongside you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this is what I got. And they got a problem. Don't let that cut you off. 
don't let that make you go, okay, I ain't going to ever say nothing about mm. nothing again. Just go ask somebody else. Yeah. You know? Hit yeah. Me up. I answer you. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I, it all goes back to, to like the importance of relationships and just following the model that Jesus had and like the relationships yep. that he had with people and how people weren't afraid to ask him questions. And mm-hmm. he wasn't afraid to have answers, but he he created relationships with people and people there was there was love and there was humility and there was mutual respect and understanding. And even like, you know, you look at the rich, the story of the rich young ruler where the rich mm-hmm. young ruler is like, man, Jesus, I really want to follow you. And Jesus is like, all right, cool. Go sell, sell everything, everything. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me. And then the rich young. What happens? He walks all away. Right. He right, can't I'm do it. Out. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm going to get out. <laughs> right? And so, like, yeah. there are these exa- these perfect examples. But then you see Nicodemus. Nicodemus was mm-hmm. a Pharisee, and, and he was, you know, part of the Sanhedrin. And, like, he – but he humbled himself, and he came to, to Jesus in the in the secrecy of night. But mm-hmm. he humbled himself, and he asked these really these really tough questions. Mm-hmm. of and, and, mm-hmm. and there was a relationship there. And so, right. I mean, there's just so many – again, like, for people who say the Bible's boring, I'm like, guys, there's so many examples of so just – so much that we have to look towards and we can work to model our lives. We will never be Jesus. There's, he set a standard that we will never be able to achieve, but we don't have to. Right, 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 right. Exactly. But he, and what you said works on both sides, right? Like that's what I always think about. Like exactly what you said, like as a white person or as a black person or as a man, as one, who am I to ever think like, how dare you question me? Mm. Right. Jesus was questioned like all Jesus the time. Give, he was questioned. He would give answers and then he would give answers to the answers that he gave. And he would, if Jesus is not beyond a few questions, right. who am I to think that? How dare you question me? You yeah. know? So yeah. I, I, that's how I view, you know, that part of scripture yeah. of Jesus fielding all of these questions, you know, and explaining himself and re-explaining himself several times, yeah. you know, still you know boys falling asleep on them and you know yeah I mean and I think about just I mean it kind of go come in full circle like I think about with my kids like Mm -hmm. from a very early age I've set you know my my husband and I we've set an expectation and a standard in our home where there is no question that's off limits there's no question that's off limits and and I've said you know like if I don't know the answer to your question we'll find out together you know, and I'm not saying like you need to divulge all of it. It's, you answer mm-hmm. in a pr- in age appropriate ways, right. but by creating a space early on where my kids feel safe to come to me with their questions, mm-hmm. then as they get older, then they're going to come to me first yeah. about some of the really hard stuff That's versus good. going to Google or a friend at school or yeah. somewhere else. I don't want them to go. And right, get and good. get the misinformation. So, you know, creating, again, those safe relationships with with people mm-hmm. and also and like you said, going to God with your questions and wrestling mm-hmm. with that stuff like God is not afraid of your questions right. like he is not going to be offended by what you ask him. Right, like, right, right, right. His created order is designed in such a way that we can't even begin to understand it fully. And so we have to wrestle with those things like. Right. Right. We're That's supposed good. to. So, um, That's good. yeah, man, I just, oh, clearly uh, we need to have like three more episodes together. <laughs> episodes. I yeah, mean, more one. I was like, I'm going to go 45 minutes and here we are o- over an hour and I could uh, have like so many other things I want to talk to you about. 
I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Corey to thank a couple more of our partners of the show. This episode is brought to you by The Lemonade Boutique, a women's clothing with a cause store. Featuring ethically made and fair trade items from over 10 countries, every item is made by women facing extreme challenges, such as trafficking, poverty, and more. Your purchase empowers women to take life's lemons and make lemonade. Shop at thelemonadeboutique.com and listeners of the Business with Purpose podcast can save 15% by using the code PURPOSE15 at checkout. I want to thank another one of our partners of the show, and that is Simple Switch. Now, Simple Switch is no stranger to this podcast. I've had the founder, Rachel Coyce, on the show, and they are just such an incredible supporter of this show. And I love that this is a website that you can go to to get literally everything. And that is so applicable this holiday season. And so I have Rachel here with me to kind of share what Simple Switch is offering this holiday season. Take it away, Rachel. Hey, Molly. Thanks so much for having me on. Obviously, the holidays are this really special time where we get to love the people in our life, especially in 2020, get to kind of show people some extra love. It's also such a time of consumerism and confusion about company ethics. So we really try to be that one-stop shop where you can get something for, you know, your 90-year-old grandfather and also the friend in your life who just really needs to pick me up this Christmas. So I hope that you guys will uh, join us there. We've got more than 3,000 products. Every single product has some sort of environmental or social impact. And we're really excited to have you. Yes, and Simple Switch is offering an incredible, incredible special deal just for Business with Purpose podcast listeners. So you can go to simpleswitch.org and use the coupon code Purchase with Purpose for 20% off your order. 20% off, which is just amazing. So go to Simple we Switch. Love it. I know, it's amazing. Go to simpleswitch.org, use that coupon code Purchase with Purpose, get 20% off your order, get all of the shopping done off of your list, and you are going to be set this holiday season. All right, now back to my conversation with Corey. Corey, okay, a few things before we wrap up. Um, One, again, I want to say thank you for having this conversation and sharing um, your experience, especially with Big Floyd. And um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, real quick, uh, I want to just kind of talk. So what you're doing now. So you're you left actually a a label that you had Mm -hmm. gotten an album on the Billboard charts with went all the way up to 16. And yep. um, then you you kind of went independent um, mm-hmm. and then you have started a podcast called Literacy Kings. Yeah. Just c- talk a little bit about what you're doing right now. Yeah. So this whole conversation, um, it leads right up to that. It leads perfectly up to that. So what I'm doing right now is um, Literacy Kings. Literacy Kings is currently a podcast with me and my homie Jay, uh, aka Jay with the NBA. <laughs> um, he, uh, we have a podcast where we break down popular financial books in culturally relative ways. Mm. Um, we contextualize it. We use uh, examples that are relatable to people who are from low income, underserved areas. Mm. If you've read any financial book, you know that. The, the valuable ones are often written in a way that you probably need to know a little bit about this already. You know, they're going to mention ROI or balance sheets or earned income or, you know, they're going to talk about things in passing. And if, if it doesn't have a, a connection to you just tangibly, but then also culturally and relatable. Right. It's hard. 
I'm struggling to pay my bills. So it's hard for me to think about investing in stock or buying real estate or getting my LLC and building out a business and good debt versus bad debt. And it's hard for me to get all of those things because as we all know, nothing is just physical. It's mental, it's emotional, right? And so on our podcast, that's what we do. We share our experiences, we share our past, we share our pain, but we tie it all into contextualizing uh, financial books. And the first one is uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the first one that we uh, that we went through. And so the goal for Literacy Kings is that it will go- turn into a podcast network. Um, and so that the music and the, the information continuously can be um, created and we can create more voices. We can help other voices and more people that, that have something to say uh, and curate it toward any group of people who've been marginalized. Wow. You know, that's that's our goal with Literacy Kings. And so that's where that's where all of that ha- has brought me. You know, I used to never imagine a world where I wasn't just rapping. And then one of my good friends told me uh, as I was going through my transition, once I had my daughter and I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to keep going out on the road or do I need to? And he was saying that, and I hope this helps someone. He was saying, well, I think you've just always been a storyteller Mm. and you've used music to tell your story up until this point. But ultimately you're a storyteller. So now you're just switching to a different medium. Yeah. He told me that like a year ago and I I still think about that almost daily because he was so right. That's awesome. Um, And so, yeah, that's what we're doing now with Literacy Kings. Um, We're on our second season now. We're going through a money circulation series and we're just trying to make finances and money more culturally relative and current you know we want you to talk about this after you talk about the game that was on because it's very important for us to build generational wealth oh Um, man that's so good well my husband's a financial advisor so i'm gonna have him yeah i'm gonna have him check it out um yeah please do because that yeah i mean that is such an important uh such an important conversation to have and something he's really passionate about is you know kind of because he works primarily right now with people who are retired or retiring or kind of planning for Mm. retirement and then he also he's like what a Dave Ramsey guy and so he Mm. also like kind of helps people sort of in that early stages and he said it's really interesting to see the dynamics because he works with so many people who are in their like 60s and 70s and so like the Mm. mindset of different types of people and how Mm. they've depending on how they were raised and how they handle finances as an adult. And so like he's seen, he sees it all across the board. And so, yeah, I mean, just talks about like, it is so important to be instilling these, these things in your kids now because like it affects them for generations. Yeah. Yeah. It it really, really does. Just, just, I never heard of or understood the concept of assets and liabilities yeah that meant nothing i was a grown man didn't know what that meant and when when the first time i read well you should try to purchase assets and have your assets pay for your liabilities i was just like what you know and you know and then it's like yeah. and then you can take the earnings after liabilities and reinvest and accrue compound interest i'm like dog i don't <laughs> what you know, like this is we. All I knew was you go to work, you save money, you, you pay, your, pay bills. your bills, and you try don't go, don't end up on the street. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So when I, this stuff was like blowing my mind, I'm like, where it? But it's like you said though. Like my grandma had a sixth grade education. You know what I'm saying? Then my mom got to high school. 
you know. So my grandma worked a whole bunch of jobs to just stay above float. My mom was able to come up a little bit, make sure we were straight. All she could tell us was don't do nothing you hate and try to work for yourself. But she hadn't saw over the hill yet. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's, that's all she could tell us is what you, you should do. But how to do it. Now that's on us. So that's what me and, and my brother's doing. We actually doing it. So now for my daughter, I'll be able to tell her, okay, this is what I know to be true. I yeah. went over the hill. This is what I saw. You know what I mean? And we can yeah. start building it from the ground up. Yeah. My husband has had, he tells this story about how like his, both his grandparents on his mom's side and his dad's side handed, handled generational wealth very differently. Like his uh, dad's dad grew up in like small town, like very, po- one of the poorest counties in the state, Eastern North mm-hmm. Carolina. And like, just kind of, he was never in debt, but like he built basically, he basically built his house with his bare hands like you know Mm. ran a furniture store and just kind of like never was in debt but didn't it was just kind of always um Mm -hmm. building more like spiritual wealth in the family Mm -hmm. whereas like his mom's dad you know was a candy salesman and literally like literally had the coolest job ever like selling candy but then like he was really into the stock market and so he invested a lot and so he left like generational financial wealth whereas like his Mm. dad's dad didn't leave debt but didn't really leave any like you know, it was just a different type of yeah. the way that they handled money and the way that they like his his mom's dad had grown up in the western part of the state in Greensboro. Mm. And like so that was just a more city life versus like mm. very kind of rural eastern North Carolina with like, again, poorest, like one of the poorest counties in the state versus mm. sort of like this big city has the example of like investing and all that kind of stuff. And so right. and how much he's learned about building generational wealth not only financially but also like a legacy that's for good. your family from both of his grandparents and that's beautiful um yeah so that's oh that's so that's important beautiful. so i love yeah, the way that you guys beautiful. are doing that love the way that you guys you. are doing that that's thank awesome you. thank you yeah we hope we, we hope to keep doing it and keep building it and, and tell more stories so i really appreciate that i love it i love it okay for the listeners, I will have all that information in the show notes as always. Um, but Corey, this is my favorite part of the show where I get to ask just a couple of fun get to know you questions before we go. So okay. Corey, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. All right. I give you, give you the honest answers I got. All right. What song that as soon as it comes on, like you have to sing along with it when you hear it. Like it's just that song that the moment it hits, you're like, oh, oh like, oh, I got to get it. Uh, man, I'm from the South. So as soon as I hear make them say, yes, yes, make them say, yes. <laughs> yep, I feel that. <laughs> I feel that deep in myself. I, see. So I, love I grew up outside of uh, DC, which is a real okay. big go uh, go go scene. Yeah. So like, there's like there's certain go go songs where like I'll hear it and I'm like, oh oh, a scenario, <laughs> scenario, oh oh, like I hear it and like immediately I'm taken back to like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So, it's not even you. It's just, it just it just comes out. Yeah, it comes out. Yeah, oh, like yeah. oh yeah. And I'm a big like I was because again I grew up outside of DC. So like a lot of those DC radio stations. That's what I grew up on. So I listened to to Tupac and and, and yeah. Notorious Speed and like 90s R and B. There is yeah. not a genre of music like 90s R and B like Keith Sweat, Brian McKnight, Drew Second Hill, nine. like. All those, right? 
yo, I don't know what was going on with me emotionally. With <laughs> little girl in elementary had like my heart or something. I knew baby face songs. Yes. In elementary. Yes. <laughs> like elementary. No, this is elementary school. This is what I was listening to in elementary school. My mixtapes in yeah. elementary school had like Soul for Real and all yeah, those songs. Yeah. Like, yes. Like, my love, do yeah. you, do you ever, ever dream of candy yep. coming? Yep. I don't I won't even engage in a debate about 90s R and B. Yeah. If you don't no. get it, I have nothing to say mm-hmm. to you. I have nothing nothing to, nothing to say. No, yeah. No, no. I love oh it. my gosh, I love it so much. Okay. Um, when you get home from okay. work, from a long trip, what's the first thing you do when you get home? Mm, the first thing I do soon as soon as I get home, I say I say the first thing I want to do is gym shorts, T-shirt, couch. Yeah. Like that's like gym shorts, T-shirt, couch. And then my mind to go from there on whatever else I need to do. But like, that's it. I'm hitting it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just going to hit it. I if love my daughter want to crawl on top of me or if I need Aww. to get my orders from my wife, whatever. But I just, I feel like that relaxes me into a place to where I can do other things now. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Is there a particular artist that has influenced you the most? Oh God, that's the hardest question. I know. Um, okay. So, okay. Let me give, let me do, can I do three? I'm going to do three. Absolutely. I'm going to do three. So, the first I'm gonna say, and I, I'm it's an artist name, it's a rapper named Jada Kiss, mm-hmm. and he's he was with Rough Riders and DMX. Yep, and uh, he had the storytelling and these punchlines when I was a kid that just I would literally like he was like on the level of like Nas and Bigs to me. Yeah, and he came up with Big. Yeah, you know, so Jada Kiss was when I was young, I would try to figure out like it was like reading a book for me. Yeah. you know what I mean, trying to figure out how he created these punchlines. So. He was like one of the first, right? Then taking it to music, it's an artist. His name is Dre Murray. Hmm. And uh, he is phenomenal. He's a Christian. So that was my second stage. Because once I became a Christian, I was like, okay, I rap, but now I'm a Christian. Is there a such thing as Christian rap? I didn't yeah. even know if it existed. And I found this guy named Dre Murray. Um, amazing, right? The third artist... I'm, and that's be my third and final one. I'll go back to my my make them say, uh, business wise, Master P. Yeah. I mean, that's my goal in life is to do what he did in business independently. Yeah. You know, um, so those three, those Jada Kids, Dre Murray, Master P, those are like my, it's like my my tripod of, of storytelling and business. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. This is my last question. This is a question I ask all my guests. And that is, Corey, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Man, I take it back to the beginning of the podcast for what it means to me um, is ironically the same thing it meant when I was a kid and before I even knew it is that I want to I need to I have to find a way to help my people that's always been a thing and so um, through business that's still my goal that's what it means the purpose is what I do that can live long after I'm gone yeah and so that's my goal within business that's my purpose is to create a platform and to pour into people um and long after I'm gone gone um the words and the and the relationships will keep going yeah 
Man, Corey, this has been uh, just incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You are amazing. Um, and just I'm going to continue to follow the work that you're doing, especially with Literacy Kings and um, all that. Thank you for this conversation. And uh, you, you are the man. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here. I wanted to talk about your golf. We'll do that on another show. <laughs> yeah. uh, so just know I have so many things to ask you oh about as well. Yes. Because your your life and your, your current endeavors are just so intriguing. Thank and you. it doesn't seem like one person can do all of those things. <laughs> yeah. So I, I legitly say I'm honored to be on. Oh, and thank I thank you. You are the man. Okay, friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partners of the show, Simple Switch. Don't forget to use that code Purchase with Purpose for 20% off your first order. And the Lemonade Boutique, use code Purpose15 for 15% off at checkout. Amas Uma, go to shopwithmolly.com for more. And GoX Apparel, go to goexapparel.com forward slash Molly Stillman to snag your exclusive business with purpose tea. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for your support and for tuning in week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to help make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how this show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.